They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome to Bible with the Barbers here on this Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> we made it. And it's noon, so uh, maybe we should start with an Angelus. Yeah, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God. That we may be worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Mary Danielle, before we do the gospel reading, a lot of people in the radio business, they'll give you a teaser and say, we're going to talk about <laughs> X, Y, and Z, and then they wait till the end of the show to tell you. But I mentioned on the Terry and Jesse show that we had a question that came up on the internet, and you answer many of these questions on the app and on the internet, and it was a question that came up yesterday regarding free will. It's such a fundamental question. And, and basically, the gentleman asked the question. He's listening right now because I told him, we'll have it on the radio. And that is, my friend who's non-Catholic says, well, you Catholics, I mean, if God knows everything and he knew that I was going to commit this sin and go to hell, then I really didn't have freedom because he, his knowledge that he knew that I would do this shows me that I didn't really have freedom. What would you say to that, Mary Danielle? Well, what's interesting about that question is... <laughs> Just because God knows something's going to happen yeah. doesn't mean that he's predetermined it's going to happen. Yeah. When God made man, God made man in his own image, all right? Mm -hmm. And God is love. But in order to love, you have to be free. So God made man, and he made Adam and Eve in a state of grace. And then he gave them the freedom to choose to do his will or not to do his will, all right? Yeah, God has foreknowledge, God made everything that is. Time is a creature of God, okay? And God's knowledge is all-pervasive. He knows everything that's going to be. He sees everything from beginning to end. There's nothing, there's nothing in time that's hidden from God. And it's, he doesn't see it like we see it. We see it in time, you know, A, B, C, number one happened, number two happened, number three. No, God sees it all at once, so he sees his son on the cross. At so the moment, past, present, and future. Are all eternally right. present to God. But the reality is God has a will, a will that says, let there be, and things come to exist. Mm -hmm. Okay? God also has desires, a velity. And it's interesting because mm -hmm. in the letter to Timothy, mm -hmm. 
it says, in the English translation, it says, God wills all men to be saved. Ah, but let's go back and read the Greek. Okay, the original text. That English translation is not a good translation. If God willed with his active will, with the same will with which he said, let there be light, then all men would be saved. We wouldn't have a choice. But that's not what it says. It says God desires all men to be saved. And so God desires all men to be saved. And yes, he knows what you're going to do, but his desire is that you choose the good, that you ask him. You don't think so? Go back and read the story of Cain and Abel, okay? Cain and Abel both make a sacrifice to God, right? Mm -hmm. It's in Genesis. Let's see, it's in here somewhere. (laughs) Very beginning of Genesis. It's after the fall. So Genesis 4, I think, Mm -hmm. maybe, where it talks about, oh yeah, Genesis 4, there we go. Cain and Abel, Genesis 4, verses 3 through um, through 7, okay? So Cain and Abel both make a sacrifice to God. And God accepts Abel's sacrifice, but he doesn't accept Cain's. And Cain knows it. And he's angry. Mm -hmm. And he gets angry and he's crestfallen. And the Lord speaks to Cain. He says, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, God's telling him, Cain, the reason I didn't accept your sacrifice is because your heart is in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. I need your heart, not your things. I made everything that exists. I own it all. So I don't need you to give me things. I want your heart. You see, this is the freedom. I want your heart. I made you, Cain. I made you for union with myself, but you have to decide. And if you do well, if you do not do well, excuse me, the Lord warns, he's warning Cain. Okay, so first he says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? Abel was accepted because he did well. You don't need to be jealous of Abel. You just need to be righteous like Abel, okay? And and then he says, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you can be its master. Why? You must be its master. If you want freedom, if you want true freedom, true freedom, you know what? If I take this pen here, You know, it's a pen, right? It's a nice pen. It writes. It makes ink. You have ink in it, and you can make letters on the page, and you can write messages with it. Sure. I can go and try and pry the door open with it. What will happen if I pry the door open with it? It'll break. It'll break. I'm going to break the pen, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not using it for the purpose for which it was made. It wasn't designed for that. It wasn't designed for that. So if I misuse something, if I use something in a way that it's not designed for, when is the pen free? The pen is only free when I use it for the purpose for which it is designed. Amen. When I use it for a purpose for which it was not designed, and I know a lot of us have done this, we get, oh, well, that pen, that'll do it. I'll just pry this with the pen and snap. I bust the pen. I open boxes that way. You know, and, pens. and so many pens. We've broken. We've broken so many pens oh, yeah. because we use them for things they weren't made for. Right. They're no longer free. As a matter of fact, now they're broken. So you see, when God made us, he made us for union with himself, but he wants us to love him. So he had to give us freedom. He had to give us the ability to choose. And it makes it clear here with Cain, you can master sin by turning your heart to righteousness, by doing what is right and before the Lord. Okay, you can master the sin. You can master yourself. We're not animals. Man is not an animal who's just subject to his emotions and his body. 
We have an intellect and a will, an intellect with which we can know the true good, who is God, yep. and a will with which we can choose God. Mm-hmm. So our only real freedom lies in choosing the good for which we were made. And the good for which we were made was God, to choose God. So we're only truly free when we choose God. And yeah, God sees what we're going to do, but we are free, truly free. Now, we can make ourselves slaves for all eternity by choosing sin and ending up in hell, in which case we won't be free. Or we can be free by choosing God and choosing his will and allowing him to work in and through us to accomplish what he desires for us. He desires that we live in union with him. That's beyond our capacity as creatures. Only God can raise us to those heights. So you see, we're only truly free when we cooperate with God and do what he wants us to do. And it's not freedom to turn away from God. But it's not that God has determined beforehand, this one's going to be free, this one's not going to be free. And there, there are those who taught that. You know, some are going to go to heaven, some are going to go to hell. It doesn't matter what you do. No, as a matter of fact, it's very clear at the judgment, when Jesus says the judgment, you will be judged on the free will choices you made. Amen. You're not going to be judged on what you didn't have control over. You're going to be judged on what you had control over and the free will choices you made, just like Cain. Cain, you can master this sin. It wants to be your master, but you can master it. And Cain wouldn't do that. He wouldn't give up his anger. He wouldn't give up his resentment and his bitterness, and he wouldn't give up his unrighteous heart. But that was a choice he made. It's not that God made him do that. So to summarize, just because God knows the outcome of your salvation that doesn't stop you from having free will. Exactly. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom so there line. There you go. Now, thank you for answering that question. Mm-hmm. And if you have questions, go to the apps, right? Yeah. And there's a question section, and you can ask, you can ask a question of anything you'd like. So, but today's a great feast day, isn't it? It is. It's the Feast of St. Therese of Lisieux. That's October 1st. So there's special readings? There's spe- there is a special gospel for today, and, and not, not necessarily everybody will read this, okay? No. It's not a mandatory, but some priests will read it. So the optional gospel for today is from Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. The disciples approached Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child over, placed it in their midst, and said, Amen, I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What's interesting is why are the apostles asking here, who is the greatest? (laughs) Well, if you go back to chapter 16 and 17 in Matthew there are some clear there are some places where Jesus clearly singles out Peter as the first. Mm. And the apostles are beginning to, you know, they're human. They're human. They're growing in their walk with the Lord. And they're beginning to wonder, well, you know, who gets the first place? You know, yeah, they're why still can't I be on top? You know, why can't I why are you always picking Peter? Why is Peter, you know, <laughs> hey, come on, now come on. Why'd you change Peter's name? Human you didn't change mine, such. you know? Funny thing. The more change. things change, the more things they say the same. Have we changed a lot? No. We still do this? Yeah. Oh, no, we don't do this. (laughs) So we'll come back and we'll finish up this gospel after the break. I hear that music. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers and the Virgin, most powerful radio. Back with much more here on the Bible with the Barbers. Get yourself a cup of coffee or some tea and enjoy a Bible study. 
Welcome to our January 11th, 2020 Spiritual Warfare Conference. Every year without fail, this is our most popular, well-attended event. This year's Spiritual Warfare Conference will host Adam Bly, a Catholic demonologist, and an auxiliary member of the International Association of Exorcists, along with Dr. Luis Sandoval, a psychiatrist who's part of the Healing, Deliverance, and Exorcism team for the Diocese of Orange. These two gentlemen bring tons of experience and expertise in the area of spiritual warfare. This is going to be a high-information Catholic seminar. I'll be there as well, sharing some riveting stories on the diabolical and liberation found through Jesus Christ from my best-selling book, The Devil in the City of Angels. Mark your calendars, come and join us, and meet other radio hosts from Jesus 911. Contrary to popular belief, spiritual warfare is not demon-centered. It's Christ-centered. Come join us and learn how to armor up and fight the good fight of faith. Catholics, wake up. Don't hit the snooze button. Join us at St. Christopher Catholic Church, 629 South Glendora Avenue, West Covina, California, on January 11, 2020. See you then. Strength and honor in Jesus' name. Jesus said in Luke 17, When you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have only done our duty. According to St. John of the Cross, God is pleased with the little deeds we do in secret. He takes more pleasure in these than in a multitude of grand works that we may do out of the desire to be seen by others. May God help us to do the things that please Him, and not just to appear great in the eyes of others. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. Thank and you. Today, again, is the Feast of St. Therese of Lisieux, October 1st, so we have a special gospel for today. For those of you who might have missed the very beginning of the show, the gospel is from Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4, where the, the disciples are asking Jesus, who is the greatest? Yeah. And, of course, this is the background is that Jesus is in, in Matthew 16. He said, you are, you are rock, and on this rock I will build my church. And, of course, in the Greek, you know, there's that argument that comes up about that one. That's a whole other story. But, actually, when Jesus said it, he said it in Aramaic, and the word is kepha. And uh, there aren't two words in Aramaic for rock. There's only one. And uh, a kepha is the foundation stone on which the temple is built. So, yeah, <laughs> Peter's the rock. And, and then, in, in, again, in, in Matthew 17, you know, Peter, they, they asked Peter about the temple tax and Peter goes to ask Jesus and, and Jesus says, uh, Peter, go to the ocean, go to the sea, the sea and take out a fish and you'll find a corn there that's worth twice the temple tax and pay it for you and for me. So Peter is, Jesus is identified and the disciples are beginning to wonder, uh, you know, why, why is Peter getting, you know, who's really most important? Mm -hmm. So Jesus needs to teach them and he needs to teach all of us too. Who is most important and how do we find importance before God? Well, all of us are important to God. All of us are so important to God that if each one of us, each one of us can say, if I were the only sinner who ever sinned, 
Jesus Christ would have died to pay the price for my sin and redeem me. So every one of us is important to God, that important to God. But every one of us isn't given the same role. We're given different roles to play. But what is he calling us to be? Who is the greatest? He calls a little child over. Unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Does he become, unless you become and and turn and become as children, little children who bicker and fight and who are spoiled and childish remember paul talks about putting aside childish ways yet we are always children with god we are his children and so we have to become like little children well what is he talking about and he says so unless you become humble like this child what are the characteristics of a child children are completely dependent on their parents their food for their food their clothing their shelter for their upbringing, their education, for their training in moral truth, for their welfare, for their protection, everything. And they, it's just taken for granted, right? A little child comes home at dinner time, he just expects dinner's going to be on the table. Why? Because he knows his parents love him and they're going to provide for him. So a child has this complete trust, this complete humility of No, there are some things I can't do for myself. Now, granted, there's original sin and concupiscence, and believe me, it shows up really quick in a little baby where the baby can, depending on the different personalities, you know, some some personalities are really strong, and from the very beginning, they're already going to do their own thing, and they aren't going to be taught anything. But nonetheless, the child is dependent. And there's this humility in this dependence. And this is what we need to strive for the humility to recognize and realize I didn't create myself and I can't save myself. And by the way, no other human being created you and no other human being can save you. You know, some people, you meet somebody in life and that person is so amazing. You're like, wow, you're my savior. You're my, no, you're not. And if anybody says that to you, say, no, I'm not. I'm not your savior. And you know what? You had a life before I came into your life. Remember that. I'm just a human being. I'm just a creature like you trying to get to God. Mm. It is God is the one that we need to depend on. God is the one that we need to look to to fulfill all our needs. As a matter of fact, God made us for himself. And so only God can fulfill the desire in our heart. God made us for, for relationship. He made us to be in relation. And in a relation, we need to be humble with each other, not take advantage, not use each other, not, you know, that when children haven't been spoiled, there's a beautiful simplicity about them and there's a beautiful humility about them where they're, they are grateful. They're grateful for what you do for them. And they thank you, you know, the little baby who gives you a big hug and mm-hmm. kisses you and, and just laughs, you know, and the joy that they bring. So it's this simple childlike humility and simplicity. Yeah, I would also add the comment from Bishop Sheen about peace of soul. Yeah. We talked earlier in the Terry and Jesse show, and it's self-abandonment. A child gives themselves over and says, Mama's going to take care of it. Exactly. I think of the analogy, and I'll be really personal with you. When I was a little boy, uh, we would go to Torrey Pines in San Diego out into the ocean for a week. That was our week vacation in the summer. And when I was about maybe four years old, my daddy would put me on his shoulders 
and we would go out into the ocean beyond the waves. And I had complete trust that my father was <laughs> under control. I had no, I was not scared that I was going to drown no. or that that ocean was bigger than my dad. No. Nope. My nope. papa nope. had me on his shoulders and everything worked out great. Yeah. Well, I think that we need to trust God. Yeah. And the little flower had great trust. And I oh, think absolutely. that one of the challenges in our culture today yeah. is that we've lost the sense of trust that God will take care of us. Yes, yes. That's, and that's, that's a huge problem. We've, and, and part of it comes out of pride. You know, it, I have to do it for myself. Nobody's going to do it for me. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that simple childlike abandonment to God and in, mm-hmm. in, in his providence that, yeah, he's bigger than any problems that come up. Mm-hmm. God can handle anything. You know, anything in your life that's going on, it's not bigger than God. And no. it's not bigger than his providential care for you. And this is what this is what Jesus is pointing to in the gospel. And St. Teresa of Lisieux is such a perfect example of this. She was childlike before God. She depended on him for everything. She she didn't look to herself to save herself. Mm-hmm. And she didn't look to anyone else either. And she was so beautiful in her simplicity. You know, her, her little way, people think, oh, a little way. Oh, you know, it must be easy. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, try her little way, you know, do everything out of love. And so when people irritate you, yes. you know, instead of getting mad at them or telling them what you're doing is irritating me, you say, okay, Lord, that I can offer that to you as a sacrifice for, for the, for the good of souls. Even getting a little drink of water. What is that? Can yeah. I offer that to Jesus? Absolutely. In obedience <laughs> to God's will that I have a body in obedience to God's will that I have a body. I can offer this to God, and every little thing that I do yep. is is in union with Jesus and can be done for the sake of the glory of God's name, that his kingdom would come and his will be done. Beautiful. And there's there's nothing. You know, St. Teresa of Lisieux said, if you pick up a pin off the floor and you do it out of love, yeah. it it has the capacity to save a soul. And only Jesus can give such value to our actions. It's Jesus who gives this value to our actions. It's not, it doesn't come from us. And that's, that was the beauty. That's the beauty of St. Therese. She recognized everything comes from the Lord. Everything is a gift from God. And this is how little children are. They recognize everything comes from mommy and daddy, you know, and, and everything is a gift and they're, they're grateful. So that's the kind of simplicity and, and childlike humility that Jesus is talking about, that complete dependence on God that doesn't, you know, put myself first, but puts God first and trusts him in all circumstances that he has it under control. What a great saint. Yeah. Amen. What a for good, the, you know, for the day. Amen. The saint for our day and, and right. for our time. She definitely teaches us to turn to the Lord and, and be, be close to him and, and remain faithful. So. All right. Well, let's move on. That was We gave a lot of time to the little flower, but I think it was merited She's such, she's my favorite, okay? Yeah. yeah. So I have to say that. And you know, Mary, last thing I'll say about the little flower, she loved Pierre de Cassade's book, Abandonment to Divine Providence. And even today, it's still a very popular book. I put it on a MP3 disc and also for a download. It's about five hours long, but it talks about the sacrament of the present moment, talks about God's will being manifested as long as we're saying being faithful to our duties in our state and life. The little flower loved it. It was a it was a, a Jesuit, a French Jesuit priest who would give instruction to the sisters. 
And we have that book today. If you don't, you can go online and get the book, but if you want it read to you, I actually had it put on MP3 on cassette tape, CDs over the years. And I think it's one of the classics, kind of like a bet, like imitation of Christ. So if you want that, call the folks at 877-526-2151 at Virgin Most Powerful, and we'll get you a copy. Just give us a donation if you can, 877-526-2151. All right, so we are still working on the Acts of the Apostles here. We're up to chapter 21, and now Paul is um, heading for Jerusalem, and he's he's already been warned by the Lord that he's going to suffer. And so he's making his way around the, you know, he's, he's coming from his trip to Asia, so he's making his way back by ocean first, by the sea, by Mediterranean Sea, not by the ocean, but by the Mediterranean Sea, and then to the to the shores of um, the Middle Middle East, the, the the Palestine, and he will eventually make his way across the land to Jerusalem. But um, he comes and he lands at Tyre, and at um, at Tyre there he seats out the disciples, and he stays for seven days. And when they were ended, he departs on his journey and he's going toward Jerusalem and they go down to the ocean side. And it's interesting because it's beautiful here in, in verses five, verse five of chapter 21, they go down and they're, they're taking him to the ship and everyone, the community accompanies him and they get down to the seashore and they all kneel down and pray. Isn't that beautiful? At any time is an appropriate time to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, we should take special time. We should have time set aside every single day where we specific time. It's like, okay, when I get up in the morning, my first 10 minutes are going to be to the Lord. I'm going to say a prayer. You know, at midday, I'm going to stop and I'm going to say a prayer. There should be specific fixed times of prayer. If we can, we should make a time every single day when we go and visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe we go to the 815 Mass every day, go 15 minutes early and stay 15 minutes afterward to make a visit or longer if we can. Um, if we can't do that every day, any place is appropriate to pray. Any place, any time. Because as long as we're living in the state of grace, God is always with us. And if we're not if we're not sure, and we can't be sure, we can't know infallibly if we're in the state of grace, but we can know infallibly if we desire to be. Well said. Lord, if I am not in the state of grace, put me in the state of grace. And if I'm in the state of grace, keep me in the state of grace. <laughs> You're quoting St. Joan of Arc. St. Francis de Sales. Oh, St. Oh, Joan of Arc she is did true. The same yes. thing when they asked Joan her. of Arc, when they asked her, are you in the yeah. state of grace? The, yeah. her, 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 her accusers <laughs> yeah. were going to prove she was a heretic. This little simple peasant girl, she it. won't know how to answer this question. Joan, are you in the state of grace? And Joan said, if I'm in the state of grace, may the Lord keep me there. And if I'm not in the state of grace, may the Lord put me there. But St. Francis de Sales said, yeah. that's what, what I was thinking, okay. we cannot persevere in the desire to be put in the state of grace without infallibly being put in the state of grace. And you're quoting from Introduction to Devout Life. And that's another book I actually put on cassette tape and CD too. So, I mean, all those classics, but Introduction to Devout Life, Abandonment to Divine Providence. You know, it's so important to read good holy books. Written by the saints. The saints teach us. This is part of the spiritual reading we need to do every day. The scriptures, the writings of the saints. There you go. You know, and, and, and also the writings of the, the, the Holy Fathers in, in the terms of the, the like Pope Benedict's um, Saved in Hope, God is Love, oh, the Sacrament of Love. He's got some beautiful, yeah. When we come back, we'll continue with the Acts of the Apostles. Get yourself a cup of coffee, some tea. And if you have a question about the Bible, you can call us, 888 888- Five 
Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, hey, man, I've been listening to the Terry and Jesse show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes uh, the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Wow. Daniel, what a testimony. And I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. According to Pope St. John XXIII, it is not true that some human beings are by nature superior and others inferior. All human beings are equal in their natural dignity. May God help us to look upon everyone as a person created in His image and likeness and treat everyone the same without favoritism or prejudice. selling your home or your business property this is terry barber real estate for life underwrites the terry and jesse show and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world and when they receive their referral fee they will give 80 percent of it to a pro-life organization wow that's 80 percent realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Oh, yeah. So welcome back, and thank you, Jesse, for welcoming us back here. And so we're talking about Paul, and he's making his way to Jerusalem here, and the people take him to the ship there in verse 5 of chapter 21 of Acts, and they all kneel down on the beach and they pray. And then they say farewell. So then he goes on and he finishes the voyage and he arrives at Caesarea and um, he stays at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. What that's referring to is Philip is one of the seven deacons that was ordained in the early parts of Acts to help with the service within the church. Mm -hmm. And he stayed with them. So there were prophets there. And among the prophets, Philip has four unmarried daughters that are prophetesses. Mm. Yeah. In the early church. So you have these, you know, it's not, and they prophesied. And then you have the prophet Agabus coming in um, verse 10 and following. Mm-hmm. And he comes to, to visit Paul there and he tells him, he takes Paul's belt and Agabus takes Paul's belt and ties his own hands and feet with it. And then he says, the Holy Spirit says, so shall the Jews in Jerusalem bind the man who owns this girdle, this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So the people were begging him not to go to Jerusalem. And it's interesting here. Okay, so the people, they're concerned. They love Paul, and they love his preaching, and they love his encouragement in the faith. 
And they're begging him not to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because he's going to be bound and he's going to be arrested and he's going to suffer. And it's like, Paul, come on. Mm-hmm. We need you. Stay with us. And, and of course, his heart, he loves the people. And remember, he says this in one yeah. of his letters. He says, you know, I long to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. But to remain means productive toil for you. And I do, not, I do not know which to prefer. <laughs> so I leave it up to the Lord. Yeah. So Paul, is he's willing to suffer. He's willing to go to prison. He's willing to die. At the same time, he's willing to stay and preach the gospel, whatever the Lord wants. God's will be done. So these people are begging him not to go to Jerusalem. But Paul says, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, the people said, okay, the will of the Lord be done. They surrendered. But the deal is he had to tell them. He had to say, look, no, this is what I believe God is asking me to do. And I'm willing to suffer for the Lord and for the, you know, the sake of the gospel. I'm not afraid. And so the people say, okay, if that's what you want. So after some days, he gets ready and he goes up to Jerusalem and he takes with him some of the disciples. And when they come to Jerusalem, they're, re- they're received gladly. And Paul um, goes up to see James. And this is James the less, uh, uh, the, James the greater, who was the, son of jo- uh, the brother of John the evangelist, has already died. Mm-hmm. Most of the, um, and it's interesting because here he says, he goes up to see James and all the elders were present. But it doesn't say any of the apostles were present. So at this point, the only apostle apparently left in Jerusalem is James. And uh, he's the bishop of Jerusalem. So the other apostles have left. They've they've gone out to preach the gospel in other areas, and they're no longer in Jerusalem. So you have the elders, the bishops who've been appointed, and and the priests. So they they greet him, and um, and they relate to them everything that God has done. And again, this isn't about us. It's not about what we're doing. It's about what God is accomplishing. That, and this is the thing. Are we, and this can happen, it can happen to any of us, when we start out to do a work for God, and then we start looking at how hard I'm working, and gosh, does anybody notice what I'm doing? And does anybody notice me? And I this, and I that. And we start to develop eye trouble. <laughs> and it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Is this about me? Did I die on the cross for people's sins? You know, did I save the world? Did I create you? Did I? No, I'm not the answer to your problems. No human being is the answer to your problems, by the way. I don't care who they are. No human being is the answer to your problems. Jesus Christ is the answer. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he made us for union with himself. He made us, and this is what Paul is trying to do. He's just trying to live in union with the will of God. He's just trying to do day by day whatever it is the Lord asks him to do, no matter what the cost. That's right. It doesn't matter what the cost is. I will do anything. I will go to the ends of the earth. I will suffer imprisonment. I will suffer beatings. I will suffer um, calumny. I will suffer being stoned. I will suffer being beaten up. I will be, suffer... Uh, public humiliation. I will suffer shipwreck. I will do whatever it takes in order to spread the word of God and to allow myself to be an instrument in God's hands. This is the kind of humility Jesus was talking about in that gospel when he said the little children, you know, the little children who, and you know, even in our day now, we're having many examples of little children who are suffering heroically. And I think that's the application for each of us today. 
in the modern world, mm-hmm. that when we stand for Christ, the world will persecute us. When oh, we stand for marriage between a man and a woman, right. well, you're a bigot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or if we stand regarding abortion, is that it's an unborn child, we have to stand for that child and protect that child. Then they say, "Look, you know, you can't be doing that. That's that's, uh, you know, you're trying to bring my your morality into the workplace. Cut it out." So there are prices that we have to pay. But I think reading the Acts of the Apostles should give us inspiration yeah. to do the right thing. And I, I found that in reading it, you find and you see the joy of the early Christians, yep. this joy in yep. the Lord. And that that's very much missing. And we need to try and ask the Lord to bring that back. But part of the reason is, is these men prayed. Mm. The early Christians prayed. The they knew that everything depended on God. It didn't yep. depend on them. And so yep. they prayed fervently for the grace to be. And Paul, Paul, even in his letters, he said, pray for me that after having preached to others, I myself might not fall away. Paul didn't believe in the once saved, always saved. He didn't believe in that gospel. He also didn't believe in the health and wealth gospel. That is that if I'm following the Lord Jesus, everything is going to go well and and everything everything I do is going to be blessed and is going to be fruitful. No, Paul preached at Athens and it was a terrible fiasco. He didn't make, he made very few converts in Athens. (laughs) Then he goes down to, you know, Corinth, as, as they say, the armpit of the world, right? And there were lots of people there. The broken, wounded humanity in Corinth. And Jesus said, I have many friends in this city because Jesus, you know, that's it. The broken and humble, those are the ones he can work with. He can't work with the proud intellectuals, by the way. So all of us proud intellectuals better stand up and take note. We need to give up our intellectual pride because it actually stands in the way of us walking the path of the Lord. We proud intellectuals who think we know it all and have something to teach to the world. You know what? We're standing in God's way. We need to get out of his way. As a member of priest once said, he said, it's this task that we have of getting out of the way of God's work, of letting God work in and through us. As Mother Teresa, you know, Jesus live in me and shine through me so that others will see the light. But the light, Jesus, will be all from you. It's about radiating you, Jesus, to others and shining on others with your light Mm -hmm. so that they will come to know. Bishop Sheen once asked Mother Teresa, this was before she was famous, when... um, he met her in an airport and he said, Mother Teresa, you have personally evangelized 15,000 people. What did you say to them? Because he had that heart for evangelization, mm-hmm. that heart for bringing the gospel to everyone. And, and she said, I didn't say anything, but I loved them. And then I would ask them if they knew Jesus. First, she gains their trust by loving them. It's just showing them that you are loved and you are beautiful. And, and, and then she would say, okay, I... I loved them. And then I would ask them, do you know, do you know Jesus? And they would say, oh, mother, Jesus, who is this Jesus? Is he anything like you? Mm-hmm. And she'd say, oh, no, 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 no. But I try to be like him. Oh, mother, we want to know this Jesus. <laughs> you know, was it uh, Anna Marie Schmidt had a similar yeah. story when she was in the Russian, con- in the concentration Beautiful camp story. in Russia. And this one guard, she, he beat her within an inch of her life. She was dying. She was in danger of dying. And just before she passed out, she had the thought, I hate you. No man beat me like that. I kill him. And, and then God gave her tremendous grace in that moment. She thought, what if I died right now? <gasps> oh, my gosh, I would go to hell. Yeah. And she looked up at the man and she said, Jesus forgives you and I forgive you. And she passed out. Three days later, she woke up and the guard was in the barracks on her bunk 
with a glass of milk. And she's like, the guards didn't come into the barracks because the barracks were filled with vermin and, and you know, bugs. Sure. And he was sitting there with his milk and he's making me drink this milk. And he's like, you're not allowed to have any boyfriends. Who's this Jesus? <laughs> Who's this Jesus of yours? So she told him about Jesus and she told him about baptism. And he said, okay, you do now. You baptize me. And she's like, I can't baptize you. I'm not a priest. And he points his gun at her and says, you do now. And she tried to argue with him. And he's like, no, he wasn't taking no for an answer. So she thought, okay, I'm going to teach this bozo a lesson. And that was her words. And so she takes and she said, we have to go down to the river. And she thought, I'm going to go down to the river. And I'm going to push him great. in. This is wintertime yeah. in Siberia, oh, you know, in cold. Russia. Yeah. And, and so she does. She takes him. He, well, he took her down to the river at gunpoint. And she goes to push him in. And, of course, he's hanging on to her tunic. Yeah. So when she pushes him in, and he's a big man. And when he falls, she goes with him. So there they are in the river. And she baptized him. Awesome. She said he became the gentlest giant in the camp. He changed. He became a totally changed person. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know what it's going to take. So, but are we willing to evangelize? Are we willing to? Anna Marie Schmidt just passed away this year. Ninety-six years of age. Wow. She was in the concentration camp. It was one of our Saint Joseph Communications three CD sets. Yeah. And it's so inspirational. When you brought that story up, it all came back to me. Yeah. Like, wow. If people want to get that, also they can call me because I don't know if everybody at the office would know about it, but. Six six one nine seven two seven eight seven two, Anna Marie Schmidt. She tells her story of being in the concentration camp during World War II. Very spiritual woman. Very close to Mother Angelica. Yes, she was. Like sisters. Yeah, they, yeah. Not many people know about her. Yeah. Wow, Mary, you've got a call coming in. Maybe we can take that call when we come back from the break. Ingrid in Ventura County. Yeah. Question. Yeah, very good. And uh, I'm going to run out to the chapel right now and leave it in your good hands because I've got to take care of a funeral arrangement at the chapel. You're listening to the Bible with the barbers. Oh. And we're too blessed to be stressed. There you go. And we're too anointed to be disappointed. And we love reading the Bible. And Thank we, you, God. And it's, it's a great grace. This just, is his word. We just celebrated St. Uh, Jerome, Jerome yesterday. Who said that. Ignorance of Scripture is, is ignorance, ignorance of Christ. Christ. So we don't want to be ignorance of Christ, ignorant no. of Christ. So we need to read our scriptures. And every I want day. you to tell your folks who are listening: this can be heard around the world. Absolutely. Say, I want a Bible study at my parish. Do an Virgin Most Powerful Radio. There you go. We're here every Tuesday, and all these podcasts, all these weeks, months, years. Yep. You can listen. You got it. We'll be back with much more on most, Virgin Most, most Powerful, powerful Radio. radio. This is Jesse Romero. And I'm Terry Barber from the Terry and Jesse Show. And we invite you to listen to the Holy Hour of Power, High Energy Catholic Radio. We're two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. We're on Monday through Friday on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. What we're going to give you is masculine Catholic teachings on the faith. You know, we say we're too inspired to be tired, we're too protected to be dejected, and we're too renewed to be subdued. Why? Because we believe in Jesus Christ and His bride, the church. And we will take each issue of the day and show you how the Catholic Church has the answer for our culture. What we really do is bring men back into the Catholic Church, which it's about time to do. 
We want men to be leaders in their Catholic faith so that they can bring their family to heaven. Our program is not right versus left. It's right versus wrong. And our program is where Catholicism and culture intersect. It's high-energy Catholic radio. We're going to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride to the church. The Terry and Jesse Show on the Virgin Most Powerful app. Leviticus 11.44 says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. St. Vincent Pilati said, You must be holy in the way God asks you to be holy. God does not ask you to be a Trappist monk or a hermit. He wants you to sanctify the world and your everyday life. May God show us the path to holiness and help us to follow it all the days of our life. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And I, we have a call here. Um, uh, Ingrid has been patiently waiting on, on hold from Ventura, and Ingrid had a question. Are you there, Ingrid? Yes, I'm here. All right. And your question is? Yeah, my question is, um, when I do the um, grocery, I do it on on the way home, but I always listen to this one um, during the crucifixion where it says a great number of people followed him, yes, including women who kept mourning and wailing for him. Yes. But Jesus turned to them and said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but for yourselves and for your children. Look, the days are coming when people will say, blessed are the barren in the wombs that never bore. So I, I'm not really understanding the passage. What exactly is he meaning? All right. Well, thank you so much for your question, Ingrid. And that's, it's a good question. Um, Jesus, of course, is God. And because he's God, he knows what's going to happen in the future. And um, he's walking to Jerusalem. These women are weeping for him, but he's warning them. There's another disaster that's going to come to Jerusalem. That's far, far greater. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. And actually, in the immediate historical context, and that's the first context we want to look at, Jesus is referring to the fall of Jerusalem, and he knows what will happen. Jerusalem is going to be besieged. And when it is besieged, the horrible things, and if you want to read the horror, if you're up to reading the horror of it, there's Josephus. Um, Flavius Josephus was a Jewish historian, and he wrote the, uh, the history of the Jewish wars. You can read it. And, and the details, he details, because he was in the city of Jerusalem, he details the horrible things that went on within the city that were just absolutely devastating, so much so that it was considered that anyone who didn't have children would have been better off. So in the, in the immediate historical context, it's referring to that. But um, so the women of Jerusalem... Jerusalem's going to be destroyed and you're going to suffer. And, and for those, um, 
you know, who, who haven't had children, it's going to seem better because your suffering is going to be less because those who have children, they're, they're going to have to see their children suffer in addition to their own sufferings. And you know how that is as a mother, any, any mothers out there know that um, it's one thing for you to suffer and you can suffer, but then when you see your children suffer, it's, oh, okay. I, I would take this pain. So the women of Jerusalem, it's not that he's saying, he's not condoning the idea that it would have been better for women not to have children and would be better if, you know, you never had any children. He's not condoning that, but he's saying that there will be such suffering that it would seem better off if you had never had the children because you wouldn't have to suffer so much. Which is interesting because Christ himself came to take on the suffering for our sins and are we willing to suffer for those around us? So that's what he's referring to is that, yeah, and it, it is, it's in, it, by the way, those who want to read it, it's in Luke 23, um, verses 26 through um, 31. And, and so does that help? Um, yes, that helps greatly. I, I don't know why I thought it would actually relate to future as of now as well. It does. It relates to now as well. And, it, and it's the warning and the warning for us. And it does relate because remember, it, there's the immediate historical context and then there's the, the spiritual meanings. But also, how does that apply to us today? We live in a world now where people are crying out, it would be better if a woman never bore children. But now, and now we have to read the second part of it to understand what's going to happen. We're going to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. Because if we're not willing to accept Christ, what would, he says, he goes on to say, for if, if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? He's referring to the fact he is the green wood. And in the green wood, they reject him. They reject Christ as their Messiah. Are we rejecting Christ as our Messiah? And if so, what's going to happen when the wood's dry? If when the wood is green, they're willing to reject Christ. If when they have the blessings and, the, and they reject Christ and turn away from God, what's going to happen when the wood is dry? And it is a warning for us. It does apply to us in our day and a warning that, you no, know, God isn't saying it would be better if we don't have children anymore. That's not what he's saying. Remember, children are always a gift from the Lord. In the scriptures, children are a gift from the Lord and they're always considered a blessing. All right. But he's saying that we need to be willing to sacrifice for our children and protect our children. And we need to be willing to turn to the Lord in everything and accept the will of God about children that children do need. And we need to sacrifice for them, but not follow the ways of the world. So in in that sense, yes, it applies to us, too. And, and that if we don't do that, we're going to have a punishment similar to the destruction of Jerusalem in terms of, remember, war and, is a punishment for sin. And so Mother Teresa warned us, if we don't end abortion, if we don't end the scourge of abortion and contraception, we're going to have a nuclear war, a horrible war, worse than World War II. So we want to pray and turn to the Lord and beg God that more and more people turn to him every day and recognize the dignity and the beauty of every human person, particularly the little children, like today's gospel. Unless we turn and become like the little children, we're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. So the children are always a gift. They're always a blessing from the Lord. But do we accept him like that? And are we willing to turn to Jesus Christ as our Savior and make the sacrifices necessary so that the world is a peaceful 
holy, wholesome place for children to grow up in? Or are we going to turn away from the Lord and make the world a hell on earth where everybody is suffering because the dignity of the human person is walked on, beginning with the little babies? So does that make it a little better, a little clearer anyway, I mean? Yes. Good. Yes, it does. It. All right. I like the explanation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for your call. I appreciate that. It's awesome. All right. Have a good one. Thank right. you. You too. God bless you and have a peaceful day. Christ, peace be with you. So we're back to Paul now in Acts um, 21. And he goes up to Jerusalem. And when he's in Jerusalem, um, James suggests to him that he take a Nazarite vow to prove to the people, because there are many Jewish converts in Jerusalem, and they've received word that Paul is um, preaching against the Mosaic law. And it's not that Paul is preaching against the Mosaic law, he's preaching the gospel. So James suggests that he do this Nazarite vow, and that's where they you go to the temple, you make an offering, you fast for seven days, you don't drink any wine, and then at the end you'll you shave your head and make an offering to the temple. So Paul and his companions, his Jewish companions, are doing this. But on about the sixth day of their fast, some Jews from Asia, who are, he's there for the Feast of Pentecost, so there are, Jew, there are Jews there from all over the world who recognize him, start to stir up the crowd. And they get a mob. He, they see Paul in the temple, and they get this mob of people to grab him, and they say, he brought Greeks into the temple. Well, he didn't bring Greeks into the temple. He had some Greek accompany him while he walked through the city, but he didn't bring them in the temple. Paul was trained by Gamaliel. He wasn't going to bring anyone in the temple that wasn't supposed to be in the temple. Paul knew the law, and he respected the law. He reverenced it as coming from God, but he also recognized that there were things provisional in the Old Testament that weren't didn't pertain to, to salvation directly, but we should reverence them because they came from God. God. Everything that God gives, he gives for a purpose. So these people stir up trouble and they grab Paul and they drag him out of the temple and they're beating him up. Well, the Romans had set up on the on a corner of the temple near, there was the court of the Gentiles. There was an area of the temple that Gentiles were allowed to come and pray. And right on the corner of that area, they had the Romans had set up a garrison. So when these people start beating up Paul, the Romans are there. They've got 600 soldiers. to. So they run down to the crowd and they, they get Paul out of the crowd and Paul asked for permission to speak to the crowd. And he tries to tell them, you know, that I didn't bring any Greeks into the temple and I didn't defile the holy place. And I was trained by Gamaliel and I was trained in this city and I am a Jew and I'm not, you know, doing anything. But I was sent by, God asked me to preach to the Gentiles. Well, when he says preach to the Gentiles, again, these, these Asians, these Jewish people from Asia are like, oh, wow, what are you, you know? And so right away, away with him, away with him. And so the centurion orders Paul to be brought into the garrison. The commander orders Paul to be brought into the garrison and tied up to a pillar. And Paul had addressed the Jews in Aramaic. He had addressed them in their own language. And so the Romans didn't understand it. So I was like, okay, what is this controversy all about? So get Paul to a pillar, tie him up and whip him until he tells us what's going on. So they've tied Paul up to the pillar. And just before they start whipping him, he says, oh, so since when is it right for you to whip a Roman citizen without a trial? Oops, wait a minute. No, it wasn't right. And they weren't allowed to do this. 
This was against the Roman law. And so now the commanders, I'm in trouble. The centurion, I'm in trouble. And so they, they don't whip Paul because, you know, and the commander comes up to him and says, look, I had to buy my citizenship. And Paul said, I didn't have to buy mine. I was born a citizen. So he uses his citizenship. You know, this is, again, Jesus said, be as, as um, clever as serpent and as gentle as doves. And Paul definitely was clever. And he would use his citizenship to get himself out of trouble. And so here in, in Jerusalem, there were the, you know, and when, when Paul spoke, he spoke Greek to the commander. And when he spoke Greek, the commander's like, wait a minute. Are you the Egyptian who led the uprising a few years ago? And Paul says, no, I'm not, I'm not the Egyptian who read the, led the uprising. I'm a Jew from Tarsus and Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. Okay, and so um, the commander is, uh, um, actually, I got ahead of myself a little bit. I got into chapter 22 a little, where he, that's where he asked the commander to allow him to speak to the people. Is that the act, end of, of Acts 21? And then at the beginning of Acts 22, Paul turns to speak to the people to explain to them, I'm not denigrating the law of Moses. I'm not, I'm, I'm giving you the fulfillment of the law. I want to preach to you the gospel of the Messiah, that the Messiah has come. But are we willing to accept it? And again, every generation has the same problem, don't they? And he, te- you know, Paul persecuted the Christian church. Didn't he? Persecuted, he said, to the point of death. But the Lord Jesus himself revealed himself to Paul. And so, you know, Paul wants more and more people to come to know the fullness of the truth. This is his desire, evangelization, spreading the gospel, teaching the people the truth about Jesus Christ. And he's willing to suffer for that. And he's willing to go to his death for it. And each generation, we need to ask ourselves, are we too willing? Are we too willing? So we need to be humble like little children. We need to trust in the Lord in all circumstances and know that God is in charge and that he has it all in hand. And we need to turn to the Lord in our need and so that we too may live. And it's coming to the end of the show. Thank you all for listening. Please, God, we'll be back again next week for Bible with the Barbers. If you want to make a donation, you can call 877-526-2151. We count on those donations to keep us on the radio every day, keep us on the Internet. Thank you for listening, and please pass on the word, and I'll have Bible study tonight at the chapel. We hope to see you there. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of Thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.